Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for our match preview. Newcastle United travel down to London to face West Ham on Saturday afternoon. An early kickoff, 12.30 as usual. I'm joined by John Gibson to look ahead to that game. John, straight off, Newcastle, nine points out of the last nine. How confident are you feeling about facing a high-flying West Ham? Well, I would have been supremely confident if we could put my usual side out, even without uh, Callum Wilson. But uh, the injury to Kieran Trippier is an absolute killer. Um, because we've lost possibly our two most influential players. I know that Alonso Maximum comes into that equation, but uh, nobody scores as many goals as Wilson and nobody contributes as much right across the pitch as Trippier does, including in the last two games, two wonderful free kicks that brought goals. So we can't get away from the fact that that's two real big blows but honestly, um, I'm still believing that we can go down there with a the newfound confidence, the, the, the revival of a wonderful team spirit, a greater fitness and a greater contribution from people like Dan Byrne, who's come in and done marvellous target on his debut, marvellous. And the, the players that were there, that we were... I was certainly being critical of, suddenly look different players. Um, I mean, who would have thought that we would buy a £40 million Brazilian international midfielder who cannot get into the side because three players who had been slated, one a centre-forward that couldn't score goals, Joe Linton, Shelby, who we were critical about, couldn't get round the pitch, and Joe Willock, who had completely stopped scoring goals this season and been dropped, they are playing so well that Bruno can't get in the starting line. Who would have dreamt of that at, at one time? Fraser, who we were getting very critical of, very sick of, talking about his body language, etc., etc., is looking now like, you know, a dog after a rabbit. He is consistently at it, at it, at it, at it. Um, so we've not only had uh, Target and Byrne and Trippier come in to great effect, the lads that were already there that looked as though they should be shipped out immediately have looked quality. And there's no complaints that Bruno's on the bench either. There's an eagerness to see him but there's no complaints from the fans. No, I they're... think no, I think there'll be complaints from him, and you would be yeah. you wouldn't like it if there wasn't. I think he's looking across at the manager and say, "For goodness' sake, mate, you've spent forty million on me. Could I get on the pitch because I'm warming my backside here, and I don't really want to do that?" I think that is a problem, the nicest problem you could wish to have, but that is a problem that Howe's going to have to address if not now, very shortly, and perhaps now. He's got to, at some stage, be able to get Bruno into that side and see what he can do for the money that's already been spent and the quality we know he's got. But in fairness to the three boys that are in there, they're making that very difficult for Ferdy out. They are indeed. Now, in the, the list of things you mentioned there, Newcastle take down to London with them. Yes. I didn't mention your favourite word, which is momentum. And they yep. have a heck of a lot of that. They have indeed. And that is the biggest asset they've probably got at the moment. I would like to bottle the 52,000 and take all them down as well. Having said that, the Newcastle away fan following 
is wonderful and always make themselves heard, whether it's only 3,000 or whatever. But the momentum is huge and it's significant. Uh, it makes a world of difference. As I say, people that we wouldn't have given the time of day to are now looking like Premier League players, and we never thought we would say that about some of them. Um, so we are going down with momentum, and even though we haven't got Trippier, which there's no way this game's written off because Newcastle should get something out of it. And they've got the belief, which is really important. I think that's going to be key in terms of who replaces Kieran Trippier because when you when you saw him go off against Villa, there was that kind of groan that went round the stage. I'm understanding because oh, of the of impact course. he's had. Emil Kraft came on and, and it wasn't a groan, but there was, a, I think, a realisation, acceptance that he's nowhere near the quality nope. of Kieran Trippier. So this week, knowing Trippier's out, and we don't know yet know if Mancullo is fit, we hope he is, because I think he's, he's put in some solid performances this season. But if it is Emil Kraft, even if it is Mancillo, you know, Eddie Howe and the coaching staff, have, you'd like to think they've got in there, yeah, and said, you know, you are as good as this fella. You can be the man to replace Q and Trippier and carry the team forward even further. Yeah, well, you've got to think that way. Of course, whoever comes in is not as good as Kieran Trippier. That's why we bought him, and uh, that's why he won La Liga last season, and that's why he played for England in the, the showpiece uh, matches on a world stage. Uh I mean, when you look at the back four, because we do look at the back four these days rather than the five, and you think of West Ham, you would say the two nailed-on guys are the guys that are going to play on the left side of the back four, which is uh, Target back in and Byrne, who was sensational. He was unbelievable. Oh, I mean, you know, we run out to local hero, Dire Straits, and he was the local hero. He's the big giant Geordie who is absolutely superb. They are shooing. It's a matter then, do you stay with Shaw or play Lascelles if he's fit as the the second centre-half and who plays uh, right-back? I would play Manquillo right-back if he was fit. Uh, I suspect that he won't be, in which case... It's got to be Kraft because the only other one you could play really is Jacob Murphy. Um, it was unfair to play him right side in a five because of the defensive work he needed to be done. But if you play him in a four, he's an out-and-out right back. And, you know, it's terribly unfair on a kid who's in who has been brought up as a winger to ask him to defend as a proper Especially defender. Especially with the players West Ham have got. Oh, around. yes. So you, you would play Kraft, who is nowhere near Trippier, but you, you've Beggars can't be choosers. But we, we have seen uh, times he has played on early how a little bit of performance level, him going up. It was against Manchester United and everyone was, was raving about him for um, his performance then. So, I mean, if it is him, fingers crossed he, do, he comes in and does and does the best he can. But how difficult do you think it is for a player to replace someone like you in Trippier, knowing that the fanfare Trippier's had, knowing the plaudits, and just watching on from the bench and thinking, goodness me, <laughs> yeah, I've a got a player. Play. So how 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 if you're Emil Kraft, how would you how, I mean you've got to how would you get that out of your head? Well, you've got to not lay it into your head. You've got to have self belief. He's got to say to himself, "Hey, by the way, we know what Trippier is, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, but I'm a Swedish international. Remember, I'm not just your rank and file. I'm an international player who's been regularly in the Swedish squad. I'm going to go in there. He's got to look at it. This is an opportunity. 
because, okay, if Trippier comes back, I might be able to get in on the right side of the centre-halves if I'm playing out my square. Yeah, a lot of people have said he's, he looks much more comfortable yeah. as the right side and, and he's got to look at the people I've just been talking about and say, Joe Linton was written off, Shelby was written off, Willock was written off, Fraser was written off, and all of a sudden they become stars. Why can't that happen to me? He's got to think that way. We mightn't think that way, but he's got to think that way. I think the confidence within him is is a, is a, is a big thing because I mentioned in previous podcasts when you were watching Matt Target, when you were more watching Dan Byrne, watching Keown Trippier, they look assured. They look like they fully believe when that ball comes over the top, yeah. they're winning it, they're clearing it, the player's not going to get the better of them. Whereas Kraft looks a bit low on confidence at times. He looks a little bit out of position, like he's not too sure where he needs to be. Like he needs someone to, to kind of position him and, 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 and tell him what to do. And I think if um, Eddie Howe can get into his head and, 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 and say, look, like you say, he's a Swedish international. You know, you deserve to be out on merit. You're not just making up the numbers. Go out and prove yourself. The, the self-confidence is, is going to be a big thing. It, it is going to be a big thing. Let's not underestimate the loss of Trippier and the loss of Wilson. Whatever we say about Wood and the newfound situation up there and Fraser doing well and Sir Maximum doing well, Callum Wilson's goals have not been replaced. And Trippier's ability on set pieces, his general drive. I was captain against Aston Villa and that was very significant because it's thoroughly deserved and he's the natural leader of the team whether he's got the armband or not. So let us not underestimate the loss of Trippier and the loss of Wilson, that's a killer. I mean, if Newcastle are going to be jinxed, if they've run over black cats and walked under ladders, etc., some maximums the next to go on Saturday with an injury, and then, you know, you've got three, your best three players out. It, it is a blow. We've got to make the best of, of that blow and, and overcome that adversity, and it is an adversity, not, let us not kid ourselves at all. Uh, we're still looking anxiously for who will score the goals up front without Wilson, and now we haven't got Trippier. But it's not insurmountable. Like, uh, because of what has happened within the team, because of what the new players have brought to the table, I mean, Target and Byrne have are huge assets. We're waiting for Bruno to be an asset like that, and I, I think that he will be. And the rest have lifted their standards. So that's why we still go down there with hope, even if we're going down without Trippier and Wilson. And just a quick note to please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider, whether that be Apple, Spotify, or, or whatever you do listen through, and leave us a rating and review. To subscribe or follow, it's totally free to do. It just means which every with every new episode we upload, you will get a notification to say it's ready to download or listen to through your platform. Um, you mentioned there, John, Jamal LaSalle's. He missed out through illness. It was Dan Byrne and Fabian Cher. Dan Byrne, what a performance he put in. Fans particularly loved his face-to-face uh, his -face with Tyrone Mings and the, the grabbing of the shirt and throwing the bit of the yes. shirt into the Leaser's end, which went down very well. But in terms of you know, the, the football side of things, he just looked, as I've mentioned, assured... He, he was just brilliant to watch. It was nice to finally see a centre back where you go, we've got a, we've got a, a player here 
Well, um, it showed us what we've been missing, yes. Andrew. That's what a centre-back ought to do. I mean, there's no frills about the guy. He doesn't want to go out and be Bobby Moore or Philip Albert. or any. He, he goes out and does an honest-to-goodness job. He does the simple things well. And that and a defender is enough. If you do the simple things well consistently, and he does, uh, then you've got everything it takes. And I'm delighted for him because he is one of us that, that, that loves the tune and was a season ticket holder at the tune and has now come up and done that on his debut. He's got to keep that standard as Target has uh, because he had a very impressive debut. We now go into the second game and they've got to keep that level up. But they're more than capable of it. I mean, when I watched Target on his debut, uh, Target, and then I watched their left back, really left back up here, it made me wonder why did Gerard need to get uh, to buy in a left back when he when he had Target? I'll take Target instead of the other guy all day long. Um, and you know, hopefully we've got the good part of the deal. We're very interesting to to hear Matt Target's comments on Talk Sport yesterday, where he expressed surprise and shock that Gerard went out and bought Lucadinha. Which to me probably suggests his time at Villa Park is is very much over when you question the manager like that. Um, yes, but just on Dan Byrne, you mentioned obviously Newcastle United fan coming back home. That sort of pressure is different to just making your debut, isn't it? You know, you've you've, oh, you've got that this, want to impress without a shadow of doubt your without, home crowd. Uh, but that shows a good sign of character. Yeah, which is why he was bought because he has that. I mean, that's one of the big. Pluses the big tick in the box is, is his character as well as his height as well as his ability, uh, and we knew that. I mean, lesser people could have gone into the shell by playing at home fifty two thousand. He could look up at the seat he used to sit in with his dad and think, "Oh dear me, uh, you know, I want to be down here, but this is panic stations." And he didn't, and he grew into it. In the minute he had his first touch. He, w- he was happy and he, he, he was in the like group. He like he enjoyed it. You could see he was enjoying it. No question it. at all. Uh, oh, but, but the good thing is that he's never in his career got above himself. He knows what's got him to this level from being a non-league player to this level. He knows what's got him there and he plays to his strengths. He doesn't try to be something he's not. And that is a massive uh, plus for, for the lad. So Dan Byrne will start, we would imagine... Who does partner him, Lascelles or Cher? Well, that, that's the one question. We're now got to presume that Lascelles is going to be fit enough to to take part because it was an illness, and we've seen that he's back in training this week. Um, it's, a, it's a tough decision because before... The, it's a very the, tough decision. Against Everton, he looked he looked very good. It was one of his better games in recent weeks. No question. Cher's also back in form. I felt against Villa, he was a little bit back to his normal self, a, a few interesting decisions but on a whole you know he's he's hitting the form which has made him a fan's favorite it's again it's another tough but welcome dilemma for it is because the two tough decisions for eddie is does he bring his skipper back because he is his skipper which would mean changing a winning team and does he start bruno who's 40 million and has to start at some stage do them to come in on saturday or do they wait because Shaw doesn't deserve to be dropped and the three midfielders, each individually, doesn't deserve to be dropped? I thought Willock did terrific again. 
Joe Linton has won me over as a midfielder, which I never thought I would say, and Shelby has got a new lease of life. So whoever's left out, if anybody's left out, has a reason to feel aggrieved about it, whether that's Shaw or one of the three midfielders. It's a tough, tough old decision, but it's a lovely one to have, Mm. to make. I think I think it'll be Lascelles to partner Dan Byrne, and I don't think he'll change the midfield. I think he'll keep the midfield as it is. Yeah, um, I mean he's definitely saw Lascelles and Byrne as the long t- the, the long term future this season for the team. There's no question about that. It, the question is whether you do that immediately. Or, but he also saw Bruno long term in the side. It's whether you can put him in for this one or not. Do you think the decision on Jamal Lascelles would have been easier had Kieran Trippier not been injured in terms of... I think a lot of people think he won't drop Lascelles partly, you know, a large part because he's captain and to drop your captain at this stage of the sure. season is a big, big call. If Kieran Trippier had not got injured and he was fit against West Ham, do you think that would have played a part in the decision making or do you think it'll be solely based on form, performance? And I think it's got to be based on form. I know what you're talking about and and, and Trippier was already made skipper because, I mean, he's a leader anyway. Whether he's got the armband or not, Trippier leads Newcastle United. Um, and who do you go to next? Do you go back to Shelby, who's been skipper in the past, etc., etc.? Um no, I think the decision will be made on, on form and what he sees Newcastle needing. And it's the only major decisions are right back in and right side of the centre defence. Uh, Bruno's just an addition on that, whether you start him or not. And I suspect he won't. Um, but it's interesting because he's got to get the selection right in midfield because that can be a key area. When you think of Declan Rice, when you think of Jared Bone, who breaks from midfield, I mean, Bone, who incidentally played at Hull under uh, Steve Bruce, when you think of him, he scored seven in his last seven games. He's on fire. He is producing what Joe Willock produced last season for us, where he scored every game. He is totally on fire. He is in the Premier League... Both the major lists, which are the top goal scorer, he's in that list with eight. And top assists, I think he's third in that with eight. So, uh, I thought that's he didn't a, like stats. I don't. But uh, when, I pref- when I don't see them every week, I've got to rely on them. <laughs> when I see Newcastle, I prefer to rely on these old eyes, which know a lot more. But it does, yeah, stats give you a general situation, not a literal one. But it does show you the worth of the kid. And so, therefore, we've got to go in against that. And there will be people that say, well, you know, put Bruno in to, to nullify Bone, breaking and scoring, because Bruno's a good defensive midfield player. And could Willock do that? Could Joe Linton do that? Could Shelby do that? But I don't think he'll change it, no. Joe Linton is the man, and I know we've just spoken there about stats. And but if you look at Joe Linton over the last few weeks, he's got the you know made the most tackles. He's covering the, the kind of the most ground. He's also taking the ball forward as well. He, he just seems to be this all nearly nearly this all round complete centre midfielder. Let's not get too carried I know, away. But this, now. Is, this is the thing. It's it's utterly bizarre because I was looking at I was trying to look at. The stats to, to do kind of an You'll have him piece. in the Brazil side alongside Bruno shortly. Why not? Why not? Oh, I can think of a lot of reasons why not. <laughs> but uh, um, but he is, a, he is a, a vast improvement on what he was. And it makes you wonder why he wasn't a midfield player way back. Hmm. You know, but it'd, be, it'd be interesting to know 
you know, when Eddie Howe went up to and said, look, I'm going to try you in this more defensive kind of role. Stay around here, get your foot in, then see if you can take the ball forward. If Joe Linton had turned around and gone, mm, I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. Because I just, you I'm might not... have turned around and said, "Oh, thank goodness, I don't have to go in that awful penalty area anymore." But, but and... I don't get the feeling he he always felt he was a he was a kind of midfield enforcer. Do you? No, I think he. I didn't get the feeling that he thought he was a centre forward either, because uh, in the box he turned to. Uh, to jelly. Um, but let's not be on the negative side. He took a right hammering over that, and a lot of it from me, but a lot of it from fans and other critics. And to come out of it the way he's come out of it and keep his head up and, and done what he did is all credit to the boy because he's he's done well. I think out of the three in that midfield position, Willick, Shelby and Joe and I think he's the first name on the team sheet. I don't think it's... If, if we are talking about Bruno potentially coming in, I think it is between... Shelby and Joe Willick too. Oh, when to Bruno bench. does come into the side, I, I would think he would play alongside Shelby sitting in front of the two defenders and that Joe Willick would be the one to go out. I think that was the thinking when Bruno was bought. Of course, Joe Willick might have something to say about that and, and a lift in form can change opinion. But I think it was seen that Bruno and Shelby would sit there and Joe Linton would do the job that he is doing. I think that was the the long-term future this season for Newcastle's midfield. Yeah, just to have this dilemma. It's it's, it's wonderful, think, isn't it? When you think back six months and you just oh. think... <laughs> and to have this well, dilemma... Well, I look back and I remember you sometimes saying to me, well, who would you play on Saturday? This is in the boost day. And I'd say, well, I don't want to willingly play any of them because the, the, you know, the, the individual performances and the collective performances were so bad. And we haven't even mentioned Sean Longstaff, who has kind of fallen away in recent games, but he's, he's very good at pressing, he's very good at getting into kind of the, the, the faces of the opposition, and he's another option. And of course, like we mentioned in previous episodes, he's fighting for a new deal, so if he does get his chance, you'd like to think he steps up as well. It's well, there's, there's always people going to, to suffer when you get new players in, you get... And, Longstaff's fallen by the wayside to a certain degree. Almirin is never talked about now as being in a Newcastle starting a level where when he first came at 20 male and with a running power he had, it was how far can this guy go and isn't he our little jewel in the crown? Uh, life changes, building bricks, as we've said so often. And, um, you know, we've got building bricks there now that when Newcastle in two seasons' time we're looking from mid-table upwards and moving that way. A couple of the players that are essential now won't be essential then. So I can't remember who it was, but was it Rio Ferdinand this week said he thinks Newcastle are safe? Is he getting ahead of himself? Of course he is at this stage. Don't tell Newcastle that because if we get the cigars out and the champagne, that's when we can be caught. Um, whisper gently, I think we will be safe. I don't think we are safe. If you look at the, the current, the fixture list immediately ahead of us, West Ham away, Brentford away, Brighton at home, and Chelsea away, that doesn't say you're safe. How many points are we going to get out of those four? And by the way, I'm optimistic going into that. But it is, you know, West Ham are fifth top. Uh, Brentford is the showing. Uh, Brighton, even when it's up here, they're a good, good side this season. And Chelsea are world champions. So we're not safe, but I've got a feeling we will be safe. The wonderful thing is we could go down to West Ham, Andrew, and I'm not advocating it, and I don't think... We could go down to West Ham and lose, and we can't be in the bottom three because we've got a four-point cushion. 
How long is it since we said that? A long while. A long while indeed. You mentioned there West Ham, top four contenders, the fifth. A couple of points behind Manchester United who, who leaped into fourth after their game against Brighton, wasn't it? I think it was. Um, they were a good side, West Ham. David Moyes is... He's done a good job. Obviously, early in his career, got a bit of flack for what happened at Manchester United, then Sunderland, but he's come back and he's, he's revitalised himself. And last season was great for West Ham. I, I, I'm a big fan of what West Ham have, have done in recent re, recent seasons. Absolutely. Trying, trying to crash the party, that monopoly at the top four, or the so-called big six. So it's, it's great to see West Ham up there and battling and challenging. Um, and it is a tough game. I just want to ask you briefly, the, the top of conversation with, with West Ham over the last week or so has been on Kurt Zuma, no doubt, and a very good defender, very good player. I think if he'd signed for Newcastle in the January window, you know that would have been welcomed by most fans. Of course, in the news, for all the wrong reasons, he was filmed uh, kicking a, a pet cat of his, and quite rightly, he's been criticised for it. Oh, Absolutely disgraceful thing to do. He's been fined by West Ham. But he hasn't been dropped. He missed the last game through illness. When he was on the pitch before the game yes. and uh, it was away from home with a whole crowd waiting for him and he suddenly felt ill. Uh, I, I'm probably being too cynical there, but it, um, it seemed uh, two and two it's might a, have made four. It's an interesting one because I think Newcastle fans, if that had been a Newcastle United player, they would have said without a doubt, <laughs> you know, it, he's definitely not playing in the, in the media games afterwards and a punishment more than a fine probably needs to happen. Interestingly, David Moyes kind of suggested it was because he needs his best players available to, yeah. to him and that's why he played the, the, the game after. Um, it's not the kind of distraction you want, I don't think, if you're chasing the top four. Oh, uh, I mean, it's been an absolute PR disaster and it's been very... Not only did Zuma do something that's absolutely shocking, I can't absolutely it. I disgraceful, <laughs> and y your brother films it, then you put it on social media. I mean, how arrogant, how self-centered can it be? I mean, you don't think that people are going to object to that when it's actually seen? It's just the fact you've done it in the first place. Is, is oh the thing, yes, which but is to then have the audacity to put it out there as if it didn't matter what you did. Uh, is is beyond beggar's belief. The way West Ham have handled it has been awful. The PR has been a disaster. Uh, Moyes has looked as if he's a rabbit caught in the headlights of a car. Uh, whether he's under instructions from above to do certain things and therefore he's having to front it with the press and say things he doesn't actually believe in really is a total uh, another matter. But to talk about a, a player because he's worth thirty million pound being more important than whatever he does to a to a cat to a, a living thing is is incredible. That you know it matters more that he's because he's thirty million. Nonsense! You you cannot equate that to the current situation. And he ought to have gone out the team by being banned by West Ham. He, he missed the match anyway at Leicester. So, you know, it, he should have been banned from the home game, this game, and probably the, the Newcastle game. But, I mean, you know, looking at the match overall from our point of view, we have I've said that Newcastle have problems. They've, they've gone great. The problem we've got is we've got to get over Trippier and Wilson both being out simultaneously, and not for a game but for half a dozen games or whatever. 
Newcastle have got to not feel sorry for. Yes, we look as if we're jinxed. Yes, it's awful. Yes, it's one step forward, two steps back. But we've got to take the positives. We've got to overcome that. What West Ham have got to overcome. These are two sides that have got a lot to be pleased about. West Ham to be fourth or fifth in the table and us to have won three on the trot and have a great feel-good factor and a crowd behind us, etc. We've got to get over the injuries. They've got to get over the Zuma thing, which is absolutely huge. And the fact that while results have been okay, performances have not. And that might catch up. on And the last week of activity on the football field in that week Declan Rice had to score to prevent the ultimate humiliation against Kidderminster Harriers a non-league side in the FA Cup they might have suffered the way we did against Hereford this was the next Hereford game this and so they almost made a mess of Kidderminster Harriers non-league then they got a very narrow win against Watford who are no great shakes and then they had a score goal in the last minute to get appointed Leicester so their performances have not been good their performances have tapered and they've already got the Zuma thing we are, have got to handle life without Kevin Trippier and Wilson for me the team that wins on Saturday is the team that overcomes the current problem the best whether it's us, or is it going to be us, or is it going to be them? Um, whoever gets over their current problem will win the game. Lots of talk about West Ham suffering with fatigue. They only had one game postponed um, due to COVID. They've played more games than anyone else this season. Uh, you know, it's an interesting point, and we're going to be speaking to West Ham reporter Tom Clark tomorrow on Saturday, Friday on the Everything is Black and White podcast, and he'll provide the insight to the opposition. So, We'll ask more about that then. We've mentioned John, Jared Bowen, Declan Rice, you know, Mikel Antonio, all, you know, fantastic players. Good players. And Newcastle are gonna be have to be at their best to keep them quiet. And that brings us on to how the game will end. Yeah, it always does, doesn't it? Yeah, that's I mean despite when Trippier went down, when he was carried off, and you could tell, the second he went down with the foot, he ripped the armband off and threw it on the ground. He was exasperated. He said, hey, this this is not just an injury where he's going to be subbed. This could be real serious. And so it's turned out. And when it did, I was absolutely floored. I couldn't believe our luck. But the more I've gone into the week, the more I've looked at the situation... The more I've looked at the Zuma situation, their level of performances. I mean, they've had a team meeting this week to try to get things together collectively, get morale going again. I'm going down there, you know, and I'm I'm thinking Newcastle are going to lose. It's whether they're going to draw or whether they're going to win. And if that won three on the trot, I would take them to win. Uh, but can Newcastle win four on the trot? Am I in in uh, fairyland somewhere? Oh, why not? Nothing's oh, impossible. No, it isn't. Absolutely, you're absolutely correct. And it's uh, it's. I mean, my heart tells me Newcastle are going to win two one. My head tells me it's going to be a one one draw. And to be truthful, I would take either result. Obviously, I'd take a win. But right now, if I was offered the draw, I think I would take it rather than get nothing. But isn't it wonderful to be going down there with the sort of injuries we've got and, be, and to play a team that's fifth top of the league and say, by the way, I don't think Newcastle will lose. That's Confidence, good. isn't it? That's, that's the, the key word. I, I'm going to go for a draw. I'm just really intrigued. I'm, I'm looking forward to the game, but I think against Everton, we saw them dominate. 
against Villa, we saw them back to the wall and they had to really dig in for that for that. They that might win. have gone on and dominated if Manquillo and Trippier had stayed in the side. Yes, yes. And then I mean and that's that's the, yeah. that's gonna be the interesting thing, how they deal with that as we've mentioned, big blows and obviously we we would like to think Manquillo is gonna be back you know, various supports that he won't be. So that would be another blow. And it's just gonna be interesting to see what kind of performance they put in and probably Absolutely. somewhere in the middle I, I would think. But I'm going to go for a draw. We're going to wish the travelling fans down to London. We hope you get down there safely. Obviously, the storm, Storm Dudley and Storm Eunice hitting the country. And, and the, the, you know, it's going to be quite a, an interesting journey for you guys heading down to London. So do get down there safely. Do remember to like and subscribe to the podcast as well. Hopefully, you might be listening to this on the train and there's no delays. And enjoy the weekend. We hope Newcastle will get three points, John. Yep, um, but a point would be magnificent. Uh, and if we don't lose, we're still unbeaten in 2022. So let's keep the faith, lads. Indeed, 100%. And if you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, we'll bring you Eddie House press conference on Friday morning. We'll bring you live coverage of this game, obviously, 12.30 kickoff, and all the reaction that comes afterwards. Hopefully, like we say, Newcastle United win. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Everything is Black and White podcast. <laughs>